Welcome back to the channel, everyone. I'm joined again by Tayo. It's been a while, I think. We have some things to catch up on, and I wanted to save it for the podcast, as I just told you, offline. So yeah, I've just been wondering how, how you're doing, and um, I'd love to speak about some some topics that I think are worth exploring. So how are you? Uh, thank you so much for having me back on, because it's uh, I really enjoyed our first conversation conversation and i'm so grateful that you were that you offered me an invitation back on again um it's been a while right mm -hmm. I, mean, I think i spoke to you just just after the the chino conference yeah and yeah i think i just started going to speaker's corner and i was just you know, processing what happened at chino okay what is this mad like mad conference i was just that that was magical in some ways confusing in others and um from that i had conversations with people like karen um which was surreal uh meeting her in person being on her channel and processing all of that um so it's been it's been a whirlwind but whole just uh the arc conference just started in the uk today in london today and Paul Vanderclay is also here. I'll be seeing him probably tomorrow, uh, the time I'm recording. So it's if even though it feels like it's been probably a while, at the same time it feels like it was very recent because mm -hmm. a lot of the thread from our last conversations are still very much with me, and I'm still working them through. How have you been? That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I've been very good as well. I feel the same way. It's very recent, but in a way, things have been moving quite quickly and a lot has been happening um yeah i think we spoke before the summer so summer's been great i feel i had some conversations with karen um that was really awesome on the corner side of things and we just had paul over here in the netherlands so we showed him around amsterdam and the hague and that was a lot of fun and my, what was that like oh it was he, i he, saw um I saw on your your YouTube shorts with Paul Vanderclay, which is yeah. Yeah, in funny. the rain, it seems like. Yeah, it's just, I don't know how the UK is right now, but I also just came out of the rain as well. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's what it is. I was hoping to give him a better, uh, yep. <laughs> better weather experience. But uh, Welcome to Europe. Exactly. But it was great. I mean, he's taller than I even thought, because I'm a pretty tall guy, but he's even taller. So it's like, he fit right in, you know? And uh, it was very nice. I think. Dutchman. Yeah, exactly. It was very natural. Everything. He was very open. He's just like a pastor, you know. That's how he is. That's the vibe he gives, and it's uh, it's exactly the same as behind the camera. So that's always a good sign. I feel. So, uh, <laughs> that was really it was really special. And also, I live in the Hague, so to show him a bit of the city that I live in was super awesome. And then he spent the weekend in Germany where my brother got to speak and my father was there as well. I wasn't there myself, but um, I'm happy that happened as well. So I'm excited. Oh, your to father hear. was there as well? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm speaking to him tomorrow. So I'm excited to hear about his experiences, but uh, super, super oh, cool stuff. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. And I got to meet uh, Cassidy and Andrea. So that was all, it was really cool. Really nice people. Uh, very genuine. Very real, 
real connection. So that's really nice. So I'm excited to see how it continues to <laughs> to grow and come it's to very, life. It's very it's very exciting, isn't it? The way this um the movements, the this the sub culture. Um we're still working on trying to name what the spirit is, but whatever it is, it is it's moving and changing through these different conferences. I'm sure the this most recent German f festival was different to the one last year. And Paul's visit to the UK this time is different to his visit last time. I mean, this time his visit starts with an ARC conference that involves Jordan Peterson bringing all this YouTube personalities together. So there is some kind of movement going on, some kind of subculture. And the part um, your channel plays in it, the part like just all this interesting participants that are helping to shape this subculture yeah yeah it's super cool and uh speaking of of the uk paul's there right now and i heard you're organizing some meetups there and i will just like show it in the screen right now i'll edit it in because i saw a little banner for it so i think that will be helpful for people that might be uh <laughs> wanting to attend so that's uh that's really cool how has that how has that been organizing um these meetups it's been um it's it's really cool i i wish i could have attended the german festival but when i found out that paul was also coming well i sort of suspected it would stop by the uk and if he was going to um i felt i felt myself responsible to um organize something um last time he was here it was uh, Paul um, John John Van Dunk sort of kicked me into action like okay you sort something out and that was sort of a good a good um way of giving responsibility and making me have so have some have some skin in the game mm -hmm. in whatever this is and participate somehow so this time I was a more willing participant and uh it's sort of exciting the way these things come together because. I'm not as conscientious as I should be. I'm not as um good with organizing and mm -hmm. all of the link, reaching out to people, even just replying. I'm terrible. So it's interesting that I've I always I'm I've ended up in this position. But the way it comes about is the people sort of pop up and say, okay, um, I'm interested in I would like something to happen. And if they're in a different city to me, like okay, um, can you sort out um can you sort out a, a location for an estuary meeting and if they can great if not then i'll just tell them book a, a local pub and it was a first come first serve thing the first place that got gone from to paul's itinerary was edinburgh because liam reached out very early and was like um we, i want to show paul around scotland and i was like that sounds like something that's very much up paul's street seeing all these old buildings and the cathedrals all of the rich history that you can get from that so that's a good thing to put on the list i put that on the list i selfishly knew i wanted them to uh to have an estuary to be a part of an estuary in london because just so um you can see how estuaries played out in the uk which i'm sure is different to the us so um all these different cities different people from this little corner 
will message me or message Paul and he will send them to me. And, I'll, and then that's how this event also come about. So I am sort of put up as like the face of it, but in reality it's just other people like bring, come invite us and me saying yes cool let's do it cool so that's how that's been but it's very it's very exciting really awesome are you attending the arc arc thing as well or no no the ticket sold out very um ah, by the yeah. time i was able to even think about getting tickets because it was i um i had so many i had three different things potentially going on this weekend so the german festival um i, w I could have been in amsterdam for my friend's uh, friend's birthday weekend mm -hmm. away but she ended up going to somalia back uh, going back to somalia for anyway and i also could have booked the art ticket so i wasn't sure what to book and i didn't book anything which worked out perfectly because it left me <laughs> free to be able to help plan paul's visit yeah but yeah that's perfect combine providence yeah that's really cool i wanted to say one thing about um jordan peterson as well because we had one of the guys maybe fun for the people listening one of the guys who was at the meetup in amsterdam he actually spoke to peterson the night before for like four hours over dinner with really yeah it was crazy so it was with peterson with tammy with a Dutch comedian and the girlfriend of the Dutch comedian and this guy <laughs> it was like super random. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, I think he specialized in the Dutch farmer situation and Jordan wanted to speak to him last year, but he didn't get to it. Right. And then they did it this year. <laughs> it was super interesting. He told us a bit about the conversation because the, Basically, this Dutch comedian who will remain unnamed was uh, there with this partner and they had been together for a very long time, but they weren't married. So then this guy and Jordan started to push him a bit on the, on the marriage thing. <laughs> and from what I've heard at the end of the night, he proposed to the, to the girlfriend. <laughs> so was like, what? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the power of the Peterson, I guess. Um, oh wow super interesting <laughs> that's yeah amazing. yeah what a story yeah and this guy was super oh, interesting to be as a well. fly on the wall on <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i think I, I think partly um the fact that peterson's no longer practicing um as a, as a psychologist mm -hmm. means the people that he's he speaks to like in and those events sort of become his new clients and he's just going to psychoanalyze you and yeah. fix <laughs> tell you what works in and how you, how you should go about it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um at the although I Oh, you good? Oh my days. I'll did that was that as loud over here as it was I didn't there? hear anything. Yeah, it's fireworks. Damn, I just saw like an oh, explosion. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> whoa okay <laughs> yeah i'm sat in the garden and i think one of the neighbors just by lunch so far away okay. the... oh gosh um <laughs> yeah although i didn't get tickets to the art conference um my friend john he's he's back in the, at the conference doing interviews for channel 
knows that I think they told me in BBC and and um so he he suggested that even though you don't have to just come to the area where the event is being held because after the events a lot of people will go to the local pub to just socialize yeah and it'll be a good opportunity to network and meet people cool so um I, I plan on doing that um tomorrow at least cool and and also on Wednesday so I'm sure some stories will emerge from that from those <laughs> encounters that's awesome yeah it's uh it's pretty surreal seeing it all happen here now I see a lot of like creators now um popping out of their little zoom <laughs> zoom holes and just interacting and it's uh to me it's really surreal because I don't really admire a lot of um let's say like famous people like actors and stuff I don't find them very special to see like in real life but to see the people that you watch all the time uh let's say like if Viveki or Peterson or someone you see them in real life that that that, that does have something of a difference and i think even more so when you actually spoke to them like you had with um with karen karen explained that to me as well where she had some guests that she finally saw in real life and that's just uh i think it's what we're supposed to be doing to connect and there is still a big difference between the screen and the and the real life yeah so, um, i'm that i think i i completely agree um i just before jumping on, I watched Paul's video um, on his members' channel, just giving a quick um, brief about his experience at the uh, the first day of art conference, and it's pretty much the same of all of this YouTube people <laughs> are now <laughs> in the in the same room embodied, and he was talking about being a little bit wary of of approaching some of the people that is commit coming through videos on maybe not so not so favorably and it's like oh are they and it's very interesting the, the game we've all been like sucked into of all of these big figures we've watched on screen interacted with one way or another uh when we when we become in the same room it's a different energy and yeah it's very interesting yeah also imagine like being in the room with someone you've criticized like crazy like you know, we sometimes speak of Sam Harris like he's some mythical figure. We just like, <laughs> or the president or something. And then yeah. you're like, oh, whoops. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I've been, I've been given that a lot of thought. And I think there comes a point where you, as when a person's become like an archetype of an idea in the ritual zeitgeist where everyone, we all play, play like where we forget that it's an actual person behind that. And we just attach whatever ideal or some whatever idea or ideal that we're going against, we attach it to a person without yeah. realizing that. Okay, we but we all instinctively know that every person is more than just one ideal. But some people do play on that. I mean, a lot of, like Sam Sam Harris is a self-proclaimed rational god for like to an extent that uh, he's it does he, his idea does come across as someone that yeah i can rationalize my way into over everything and um to watch him get caught up in a in a place where he's no longer making sense so even rationalist was was funny in one way but under in another as like we we're all like that we're all going to end up where some irises where our words don't match up with 
our previous words and yeah. having a little bit of more empathy to the person behind the idea might be good for all of us because it's all going to come around to everyone. Oh, for sure. I like that, though, that idea that we're almost speaking about an archetype instead of a person. And it is true. I mean, it's also much easier to criticize. <laughs> and I feel, I think we do that a lot in this corner, in a sense, like criticize or at least see where people are lacking because we're all about like finding the, well, we're, we speak about Christ a lot. So <laughs> if that's an ideal, then we're all falling short of that. So identifying, oh, okay. <laughs> that's pretty easy to do, but to actually live up to it, it's a, it's a very, very different story. Was that another firework? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be myself for a bad thing. I know that one's about to go. Okay. See, this is why I think, oh, well, no, I think you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why in the Netherlands, like people are complaining so much because in December, this turns into a war zone. Like 31st of December, you come to the Netherlands, even if they ban it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like fireworks is like our purge, you know, like in the purge where you get to murder everyone for a day. That's you walk outside. It's literally a war zone. It's, it's the craziest thing. And then the next morning, you see just trash everywhere on the streets. So there's definitely some uh, symbolic significance that I think Jonathan oh, will be able to uh... <laughs> get Peugeot on the phone. Yeah, exactly. Figure this out for us. No, it's. Uh... <laughs> I've never really been a big fan. Like as a kid, you you do it. You know, like it's really interesting, and you throw them up, and then. Everyone tells you you're going to lose a finger and um, <laughs> you just keep trying to push yeah, it. I remember um, growing up in Nigeria, fireworks weren't really uh, a huge part, apart from during Christmas. But I, well, what I do remember are the kind of fireworks, uh, oh gosh, the five rounds, three rounds, and <laughs> the, this was so stupid, but the the goal was just to hold on to it for all of the like if it's a five round bang then if you can do all five you're a god if you can get four that's decent but anything less than <laughs> you're a bitch that yeah. was the game that's what i remember about fireworks and it was just yeah i ne never really got got into them past those those periods like but in in the uk um around around this time leading up to um november 5th uh guy Fawkes day um there's always fireworks and also um during diwali like uh there's fireworks uh random on a on a random day actually well this is halloween i'm guessing so there's always fireworks and luckily we don't have guns here like they do in america so you're never thinking oh is there a gun or a firework yeah it's almost like a firework unless you're in north london camden <laughs> 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 or somewhere you shouldn't be <laughs> yeah 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 man okay well sp speaking about uk and nigeria i actually thought about this question before i spoke to you and it's that um what do you like most about the uk and what do you like most about nigeria i was curious to hear because i don't know much about either in terms of lived experience it's that's 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 a really that's a really interesting question i'm putting those two things together sort of forces a comparison that i can't get away from um i think i'll start with 
with Nigeria because that's an easier one in a sense because I I have I say through rose tinted glasses. I was a kid. Um, I left when I was twelve. I, so it was the very much formative years for sure. Um, however, there were a lot less responsibility. So like as a kid, your your parents, well in my case, my uncles, my auntie, my cousins, sort of shield you from a lot of things, um, a lot of burdens that you become aware of later on as an adult. So um what I what I re what I love the most was the I was oh god. So I was notorious as a kid for I saw that coming. I should have warned you, sorry. Yeah. As a kid, I was oh gosh, the kind of click yeah, it's kind of pretty the clouds that it formed in the sky. Oh yeah. As a kid, I was I was notorious for just coming home after school and leaving leaving and dropping my bag, leaving and coming back late at night because I was going out to play football. So there was a sort of a freedom that when I came to the, when I first moved to the UK, it was very different. Kids just came back after home and jumped on Xbox Live and jumped on Call of Duty or MSN or whatever it was. That's what it was for, for the most part. Um, but in back in Nigeria, every every day was just get back home, drop off my bag, and I was off wherever I could find uh, a game of football going on and play. So and that's I got in trouble a lot for it but at the same time uh I was it was free and I was I could just roam around the neighborhood with my friends and like what do I get for food we'll climb trees and pick fruits and that's that would be lunch and that's just such a like I I look back on those times with such fondness mm. um so that's that's that would be my favorite thing about Nigeria but as far as the UK um it's it's more my favorite thing about the UK is it's global it's globalism. As we have been in the UK, I've now got friends that are Somalian, that are Ethiopian, I've got friends that are Polish, Romanian, and that wasn't an option in Nigeria. So my favorite thing about the UK is the broadening of the world that it's it's afforded me. That's beautiful. I feel the exact same way about about where I live. I think that seeing all these worlds, you know, come together and seeing how people's traditions differ and and overlap, it's it's really a beautiful thing. Especially if it's yeah. somehow maintained, you know. And I agree, but I also I definitely agree, yet I feel that's under threat that's um the celebration of more unity and, and multiplicity uh and i think going back to the art conference tlc i think this is what the um my understanding of this subculture that we call tlc is sort of oh trying to accomplish a way to preserve that to preserve to preserve that true diversity mm. and welcome and welcome that and shun something that's pretending to be inclusive but is it yeah it's interesting because in a way it is trying to create a unity without any multiplicity what i think what it does is it actually creates endless multiplicity 
by trying to force everyone to be one. That's why people are so confused about their identity. It's just completely scattered. Whereas I think if you have a sense of, of tradition, you can maintain your multiplicity compared to other traditions, but at least it won't scatter out to a degree that it becomes just the one individual. It becomes groups unified under a bigger group. And, um, and I think the Christian story is affords that the best. Like the Christian story leaves enough room for diversity. Leaves uh, again. Um, I've been going to speakers' corner. I only start. I stopped going to speakers' corner a few weeks ago. So I've been listening to a religious debate and conversation. Good. And so, and I've also had to sort um come up with a reason for why I'm a Christian because the Muslims will ask you, okay, like they will tell you all of the things that doesn't make sense about Christianity on the propositional front anyway, and tell you to like, like it says in Peter, uh, I think it's first Peter, you have to have a reason and fight, like what's your case for believing? So I've got to think, think this, this through and the best I can come up with is the Christian story is the only one that can truly allow for true diversity mm. in the way that everyone claims that they want. And yeah, so all of this, <laughs> these things have sort of been coming together for yeah. slowly a little bit. I like that you figured out the main value proposition. I mean, it's that's, I think, one of the powers of speaking to people that are thinking differently. Something that I feel... I have to look for actively to find people with vastly different perspectives. Um, I mean, if I speak to atheists, they won't even understand why I would want unity, you know, <laughs> but that's why I really like speaking to Muslims because they really understand the mission, you know? Oh, um, they understand. They yeah. Really understand and they take it very seriously um, in, in the ways that a lot of, especially more liberal leaning Christians would think fun, like fundamental like fundamentalism is uh to an extent encouraged in islam because that yeah it's <laughs> it, it gets frisky especially nowadays with the conflicts in the middle east things are very frisky in london yeah i can imagine i do think that uh their maintaining of ri ritual is is what's keeping them together so much you know where I think we think that we can get there with words alone. At least that that's what, what people have thought. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's scattered so much. So in that sense, I really appreciate that idea of um, pray five times a day. You know, you have the Ramadan, you have clear things that bind you together as a group. Whereas we can take the Eucharist through the mailbox, you know, it's just, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. But I mean we're here and we're we're trying to figure it out. I am uh I'm struggling with these questions every day, so I'm happy to <laughs> to hear from from other people's perspectives. And speaking of other people's perspectives on this, I really like to listen to to John Verveke, and I know you've listened to him a lot as well. Um I have the fortune of speaking to him next month, which I'm very excited about. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm coming up with a lot of questions. And I mean, you have a, 
a Christian perspective in, perspective in many ways, but you've also been kind of on the fence or on the other side. So I was wondering first, like what do you think of uh, Verveke's non-theism and ecology of practices as like an answer to the meaning crisis? And maybe second, if you, if you had any other questions for him, you could let me know. Maybe I can like uh, incorporate them. Um, firstly, I, I don't know who I was sharing this with, but I was sharing my interactions with Viveki at the conference with someone. And <laughs> I'm, I'm very sociable, but at the same time, also very awkward. So I, and I and I've got good radar for fellow introvert awkward people, and Viveki just screams out. Uh, 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 <laughs> so I I always felt um a little bit uncomfortable like approaching him and like there were so many people wanted to talk to him, but I finally built up the courage to just shake his hand and just say thank you to him because that's that's all I could do. Um, in terms of uh. uh I think that the nun I said after the conference, um, like at one of the live streams, that I think Viveki was the most important person at that conference, because I think that he's not faking his uh, indecisiveness. He's not faking, is uh, and he's not faking his his commitment to the wisdom traditions. Like these are things that he not only finds meaningful but believes that um is the ailment for the meaning crisis which he accurately named and everyone else has just been like even out like without knowing the baker other people in like christian circles mentioned the meaning crisis without knowing maybe so it's gone beyond him at this point because it's it pointed to something true and, and I think the the stance is not a stable one. The non-theist stance is is a, it's not stable. It's not stable. I don't think it's I don't think it's a stable one. But I also don't think he's got any choice but to maintain that stance because that's the truth, and you have to be honest. You have to be truthful. Um. So I truly appreciate that so much about Babaki, and he's conversations with um Peugeot has been has done more good to my spiritual soul than a lot of sermons that I've listened to because they both are honest and they go deep and they are wrestling with the most basic questions which is the nature of reality and how we, how we perceive it and I would love some like I've gone through a few of their conversations, but a playlist of every of their conversations is like a good course on reality, like perceiving reality. So they've done so much work and I truly appreciate that. Um, but I do maintain that I believe that stands to be unstable because I would describe it as the the hallway in C.S. Lewis that C.S. Lewis talks about the different rooms and there's a hallway and I think Vivek is trying to build a room in the hallway which does not make sense and that's why I say it's unstable um, you can stay there for a while you can and you can uh, from the hallway 
peek into other rooms. But at one point, you have to, you, you can't be homeless forever. We can't be on a quest for spiritual home forever. We have to, in a very kicker garden sense, either or make a jump. Mm. Yeah. The leap of faith. The leap of faith, indeed. That's beautiful. I, uh, I find it's really interesting what you use the C.S. Lewis thing of the hallways and the rooms. What what are the rooms? Is is the room like a, a home place or in it? Yeah, in it. Yes, in in the establishing of man. I think it's mere Christianity that you okay. spoke about it. Um, and in is in that context, it was I think it was speaking about different Christian denominations, and it was talking about this book is not going to help you decide which denomination you should choose or why this one is better than that. And it described our denominations as sort of rooms and the book as in describing the the old way of what Christianity is and all the old way leads still leads to all of these rooms. So in that context, he was speaking specifically about the Christian um, faith. In the Vivekan context, I would expand that more to the non-theist and theist and all the different rooms could be different religions even. Um, yeah. All right. Awesome. I, I spoke a bit about Praveki with um with Paul and some of the others. And one thing that really stood out to, to most all of us was that he really he is so he's so gracious and he's so true to to the Western traditions in the sense of how he acts. And it's been so impressive because to me you can talk a lot about wisdom and, and religion and Christ and all these things, but if you if you act like a bit of a, you know, like what, what is the point if it doesn't make you a better person? And he carries it out so well that I just find it extremely inspiring. And also because of that, I take his position so seriously. Where I'm really trying to listen and really trying to learn. So, mm. so yeah, I, I have a lot of questions for What's him. Been, I, I ask, um, this is a question above Vivek and not really for Vivek, but I ask, like I was speaking to Dali, he, mm -hmm. shares, he sends a lot of Christian, I always be speaking to you, and I was asking her, what's the, what's the most, the, the Vivekism that you use the most in just normal, <laughs> normal day, because a few of his, the Vivekism has sort of stuck into my brain, like a lot of my friends, uh, know what combinatorial explosion is because I've just used this so many times and I've yeah. them so many times. So, are there any of the Vivekisms that uh, I've sipped into your normal conversations? I don't know if conversations. Well, definitely, it, it depends. Like uh, who I'm speaking to. Sometimes I see someone that's very receptive toward these types of talks, and then I go all the way. You know, like I, I will pull up a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a captive audience <laughs> yeah exactly but i feel um in my daily life what i've incorporated the most is the in internalization of the of the sage where i really like i speak to the people that i think have a better perspective about the situation i'm in so mm. i have a lot of these types of of sages in my head where i try to speak to socrates i try to speak to christ I think about um, Siddhartha um, and even like Bajot and then I have Verveke, you know, because they're all so different in, in perspective. Um, so that has been really 
life-changing because before I had to speak to people to figure out my, my problems and then I would have to make mistakes before I could actually get better. And now I just like, I learn within my mind, thanks to the sages I can speak to. And it makes me much more capable of handling situations. And it also makes me stop deceiving myself so much because I keep having voices being like, that's not true. Don't say that. Or you shouldn't have done that. Or you shouldn't do this. Or usually it's to prevent me from doing things. Um, so that's, I think, the biggest thing. But in terms of things I speak about, I love speaking about uh, Socrates and the way Fafeki speaks about him. I really like Plato. Like I've read a lot of Plato, pretty much everything I could read. Um, so that has really stuck with me. His love for Socrates really translated to, to me in a sense that I really understand that I really appreciated it. Um, but yeah, I don't go up to people speaking to them about combinatorial explosion. Combinatorial explosion. I'm more like sometimes you just have too many options. Okay. So it's chaos. <laughs> So I try to bring his, yes. his language down a little bit to, to wherever the person I'm speaking to is at, because mm -hmm. usually it's applicable. <laughs> it's yeah, I think that's that's what make that's another thing that makes a lot of his ideas um, easily digestible, even though there are a lot of isms. It's because it's applicable, like you said. There is too much chaos for you to apprehend anything, and when you can explain to someone in words that they, they can understand, they recognize that to be true. And that uh, Vivek has got a lot of those things that you're like, oh, that is true. I recognize that to be true. And it's it goes beyond propositional knowledge. It's like you're, you've now got perspective of knowledge that he sort of invokes into you. Um, I also find it very interesting you describing the communicating with the sage and it's it sort of makes helps me to make sense of praying to saints mm. um in a way because there is that yeah uh five years ago my my, my Protestant mind would not have been able to comprehend what you're praying to who but if that's not Christ and all, all of these different things, but through a lot of a lot of Peugeot, a lot of Peugeot for sure. Yeah. Has uh helped me to sort of okay, all right, and praying to Socrates, praying to Plato, praying to all this and like having them having presence in your mind is that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool <laughs> because in a way it's real you know like when when socrates turns into the symbol of the sage it becomes real because to me the the, the archetype is real um if you reduce it down to the person and their flaws then then it becomes almost intangible like you can't you can't touch it as much but but the symbol for sure um for me with christ that that really comes alive like it's a loving relationship not as much as like, can I get some advice on, on this? It's really like, this person loves me for me and has done so, or this, I don't even know if I should choose person, but um, this love has made me into myself and has continued to to pull me up and bring me higher to a higher place. And that, yeah, that's as real as it gets for me. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, also the what you said, propositional, uh, the four Ps, participatory. That's something I do actually use a lot. Participatory knowledge, especially like I use it a lot to explain where I'm at, what I find important. I have when I do have uh, religious conversations, I pull up a lot of Fafeki because he really gives the grammar, he gives the the vocabulary for these things. <laughs> of Isn't course, that interesting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Viveki, the non-theist, provides the grammar for religious conversations. Yeah, it is super and I think, And I think that's, that speaks to the truthful, the, like the fact that he approaches his work in a spirit of truth. Yeah, I think truly that that's what that speaks to. I think that um, Viveki made me able to embrace my Christian identity. I told Karen that on the first talk I had with her. It's like it, in the meaning crisis, he was like, we cannot go back to religion. That's nostalgic. But he brought me there. So he did do it. It just it just gave me a different way in, let's say. It gave me a reason. Because I, I heard this recently on a podcast where it was speaking about discipline. And they said, if your why is not good enough, you're not going to do it. So if your why for believing whatever you believe, or if your wife or going to church is not good enough, you're not going to keep going. And I think Peugeot does a good job of giving a wife for church and van der Klee, but for Veiki really gives a really good why for religion, even though he speaks about the religion, that's not a religion, but he gives a really good why. <laughs> like he gives it, he gives us our due, let's say, um, as my yeah, brother and explained. Yeah. I also want to like you asked about the Viveki's ecology practice as a as a element for the meaning crisis. I think the ecology of crisis, um, ecology of practice, <laughs> ecology of crisis. <laughs> I think ecology of crisis is how we can describe the last five years or so. Oh yeah, <laughs> just crisis after the other. Exactly. But, but Vicky's ecology of practice, I think, for me, gives me um, a reason to take my spiritual practices seriously. And it's one thing was that the, uh, it, it gave me a why to a, a reason to be intentional mm. um, with a lot of spiritual practices that I otherwise didn't take seriously. And also allowed me, which I've I'd always been um someone that would pray as I run, but allowed me a reason to like in, uh, include movement, like think up in in into my ecology of practices and thinking all of this as one thing rather than separate things. And so he's and you was, we were both agreeing earlier about how the Muslims and their, the seriousness of their practices brings um, a bindness, a, a religious and a, a, a unity that's, that, that gives the spirit of Islam fervor. And I think that's something that a lot of nominal, nominal Christians are lacking. Um, and I think for me, <laughs> I've, I didn't get to that through the church fathers and reading the desert fathers. I go through that through Viveki's ecology of practicing. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. I, a lot of things pop up now because when you ask me the question, how do you use for vacant your daily life? I'm actually using them so much more than I thought now that you're, you're mentioning all these things because one of the main things that changed for me, um, yes, the embodiment for sure. And with that also, um, I've started valuing people so much more for their behavior as opposed to their opinions. And mm. so I used to like spend a lot of time with people that I agreed with, you know, like I had little groups and they were almost based on propositions. And now I don't base any of my friendships on propositions. And it gave me the most multiplicitous group of people <laughs> that are like completely different in what they believe. Um, but their behavior is the, the common denominator, one of usually, let's say, people that listen, people that are present, people that are caring, you know, warm. Um, it definitely gave me that that lens because it you can start to think like a robot in many ways. Like, oh, on paper, this makes so much sense. But you forget about all these factors that I think Viveki does such a good job of highlighting how important they are, how it's not just the material things or not just the the propositional thing. So yeah, I owe him, uh, I owe him a lot. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking, um, yeah, there's, we, we could have another two, three hours to talk about Vivek's impact. And I still don't think we would do it justice mm -hmm. because, um, I'm now thinking of his conversation with someone like Michael Levin on the yeah. channel. And just the breadth, um, it's consistent with Rafe Kelly, just the breadth of his work and uh, all of the things trying to pull in together. Um, yeah, all of this is why the only thing I could think to say to him at the conference was just thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't think I understand even 50% of any of the ideas that he's trying to like to bring to the world but the little I do understand I've been so impactful and like you rightly said changing to behaviors in a way that's dragging me closer to Christ and I I didn't think it would be a Canadian psychologist I would do that but there we are <laughs> yeah it's funny they're all from Canada huh? the three uh three horsemen <laughs> right? I wonder where that comes from yeah, and even Paul's got some Canadian roots and is yeah <laughs> in the streets of Sacramento. Yeah, it's I I don't I don't think that speaks well to like the state of Canada as a country because it, it takes a lot of pressure to produce <laughs> diamonds yeah. and if you, if you're chucking out diamonds at this rate, how much pressure is your yeah is only... your country on on absolutely increasing. Okay, I I have a lot of different questions for you, but they're I'm not sure if they align with what we've spoken about before. But still, I'd like to ask you. Um, do you? No, feel feel free feel free to change track. All right. Do you communicate with God, and if so, what does that mean? <laughs> Sorry for this question, but it's oh, just. Oh, <laughs> I love I love I love this question. <laughs> Oh gosh. Oh this is we're talking final participation now. All yeah. right, okay. Um I've always even as a kid, 
in Nigeria going to multiple revivals and what these are just prayer events where we we pray through the night. Um, I enjoyed the I the, my favorite part was when the music and we start clapping and you get men get into movements just start clapping and like oh, I enjoyed that part, but the actor praying and talking to God and asking God, um, I'll even as I can remember thinking, I don't think I've got enough faith the way all these people have faith to just like truly believe that they're talking to God and having conversations with God. Um because God was just so big. Um and but what I even what I did recognize was uh, the beauty in, in mathematics, for example, like things like that. I, even as I can recognize that this was God's show, this shows God's glory. And I didn't have words to articulate it the way I do now, but those were like, uh, <laughs> like solving of like seeing a complex equation go from, seeing the equation go from complex to simple and like, that making sense like oh that's beautiful that's praiseworthy to about philippians 4 8 um and in those moments i feel like i'm staying in the back of god because you can't see the face of god mm. and i'm still like little glimpses uh but um the last year also uh I my my prayer has changed. So when when crisis when crisis mode when I'm in when I'm in crisis either for myself or for friends or family and like we have to go into prayer crisis mode when it's now we're just seeking God and just praying for God for a specific person for a specific situation. Those feel like yes, I'm I'm talking to God. I'm bringing um this person's case in front of god and especially if i'm bringing that person's case knowing other christians are praying that gives me like a okay i can add my voice to a chorus of requests just crying out to god um in those moments i feel like yes i'm talking to god uh in silent prayer i am i feel like i am trying to talk to god it's i almost feel like I am talking to God. I feel like I'm always just trying to talk to God. And but in those moments, if I if and this is a big if I don't do this nearly as often as I should, if I listen enough, I hear God speaking to me more in those moments. Even though I don't feel like when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to God. But I do hear like Okay, like usually in forms of correcting that, like like these are, these are the ways that you're going wrong. These are the ways that you should go right. And another um. That this last year I've started a more intentional prayer ritual of in the morning, literally bringing my day before God and say, okay, this is it. And uh, at the end of the day, saying the reflecting in prayer, and in those moments. I still feel like I'm trying to talk to God. But I definitely feel like God is talking back. Mm. 
So it, I don't feel the communication, like if we're talking signal, the signal strength going from me to God is very weak. We're talking one bar, maybe two, but coming back, strong 5G, full bars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's often <laughs> scary. Okay. Well, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you. I think it can be... Uh... What, what's your experience? I'm curious. Oh, um, communicating with God. I think as a child, I like I prayed a lot because I had a really difficult time. And this was also at a time where I had no trouble with my Christianity. Mm. Um, I had a lot of fear. And my parents really tried to teach me that, that God was always there to, to help me and to watch over me. But I lost more and more of that connection over time. And I completely bought like materialism and atheism and stuff like this as a teenager. So I was so far removed that I don't think I heard anything. And I think upon having some more serious experiences myself, I've spoken about this on the channel that I had a psychedelic experience that, that at least showed me that there was so much more, but it did not yet feel like one single force. It felt more like a multiplicity of things um, that that were communicating with me, but definitely higher powers communicating with me. You can speak of them as angels if you like. Yeah. Now I have a very personal relationship, definitely um, through Christ, in the sense that I write a lot. That really helps me, and usually I don't need words back. Like for me, it's more putting it out there that that gives me the answer already you know yes yeah no, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly yeah exactly <laughs> just consulting <laughs> consulting christ let's say that's what i do all the time and um i was recently last week i was discussing a book with karen of, of c.s lewis till we have faces it's called and the the main character she's making a complaint against the gods and she's she's invited to present her case in front of the gods, let's say. And she reads out her case. And this is the first time that she actually heard herself speak it. And she realizes how, how much she lacks. She realizes some of the, the faults in her own words. And she was so sure about her, her negative complaint about the gods. And then she was like, I didn't need an answer. Like I understood as soon as I finished, like at some point she had a, she had a moment where she kept reading it. And then she, she was just like, okay, now I get it. And I feel the same way. It's like, I put it there and I'm like, oh, I've been so stupid. It's just a piece I get in my, in my heart once I've, I've, I've spoken my thing out. Yeah. And that's a communication, but it's not a speaking or verbal thing, let's say, for me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's, I guess, it. Definitely yeah, a big help. Yeah, same. It's not, it's, it, it's not, it's not verbal. Um, what's that? God's is not is not in the in the strongest, is not in the storm, is not in the ocean, is not in the world, is in the still small voice, and it's that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is that you you say it, <laughs> and then as you're speaking it, the just exactly clarity. No, for sure, and I think for me, I I wanted to hear the voice, otherwise it wouldn't have been enough for me. Um, mm. so I really recognize myself in the character I was just describing because she's like she's really pissed off at the gods you know it's like why don't you have a 
well they didn't have faces you know it's like why, why are you not like being real with me and stuff like this and so i i wanted god to just be like uh, i don't know my uncle i could speak to or someone you know <laughs> like hey tell me how to do this and um i think one thing i heard yes. someone say once yeah go ahead no 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 you land that um that prayer if you're not getting what you what you're praying for you're probably praying wrong you know like your prayer is not good and to me that's really been very true over the last couple of years and i've been learning how to pray properly in the sense that it helps me yeah i'm still i still prayer i think is one of those things i'm gonna have to wrestle with till the day after the world ends because um even when I feel like I'm on top of it, I still have to work hard just to maintain not good, not declining. And it's often because, like I said, the biggest why I've got for it is including it as part of an ecology of practice. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's got a function among a body of other practices. Uh, but often, like, like, you were, like you said about wanting wanting to hear voices i don't know if i i was i, I would be scared to actually like hear the voice. <laughs> um even a lot of that like my most surreal um spiritual experiences have been um <laughs> whilst i'm going through them i'm like constantly thinking like no no more like i don't i, I don't need to see any angel I'm, I'm fine i will i know i will be afraid don't tell me don't be afraid <laughs> i know no i will be afraid. i will be afraid so i'm um also probably included in the fact that i grew up hearing stories about witches and like spiritual dark practices in Nigeria so I'm <laughs> and watching Nollywood films that include a lot of those sorts of imageries mm-hmm. so um I'm I'm very wary of like uh actually encountering spiritual experiences a little bit of buffered self <laughs> yeah <laughs> too bad for the soul as far as I'm concerned <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah I, I never even thought about that as a kid like I was just like show me something like be awesome you know like let's just let it happen and so the, the... I, I did I do I do want to learn I do wish I did used to pray for the gift of prophecy because I thought it'd be so cool when I thought yeah. it was fortune telling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I got something you don't. But I guess that's magic then, you know? It's like um something I think I recently heard this from someone who's reading this book and they were like equating the magician magicians to the scientists of today. It's like look at how manipulating this matter, you know. And it's like, oh, that's magic. Okay. Steer very clear. <laughs> that that's our uh, our modern day thing. Okay. I have another question that's definitely, let's say, off topic. Um well, I think a lot about nature, because for me, nature is very close to um to God in a sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. So when I go to the forest, like things are making sense. And this is a question I've struggled with a lot. And it's, and it's that um, where does something stop being natural, let's say? Because in a sense, we are all of nature. I don't know if you have anything mm. interesting to say about this. You probably do. But like, is there a line? Is there a border? 
do you think about this yourself ever? I don't know what your relationship is to nature. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, I could very easily slide into a form of pan pantheism mm. um, because of the emotional connections to nature's trees, especially for me. Um, most of my childhood was spent climbing trees and playing football. Those those were the two things I did, and um, so I yeah, yeah. Like I said, I could very easily pantheism, and that question of where the line is, I'm I don't think I've got an answer yet. But um, intuitively, I think it has to do with agency. Um. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking in terms of uh, the Genesis creation story where Adam gets to name the animals and um, he gets to have dominion, dominion over the creation. Um, so I think that's where the line is. But in terms of the godness of nature and yeah. like the... Uh, I yeah I I I can very easily slide into pantheism because I do believe there are spirits to forest and like the sea and all these things um yeah so I, and I was I my I'm, I grew up in a, like a lot of like Nigerian uh spiritual practices are to do with nature there's the god of shango or the god of the, the water the mistress of the of the sea all this sort of spiritual connotations come into mind and i don't think them to be just fables mm. yeah i'm wondering if the term like god or gods let's say if it's adequate for for all these powers because more and more, I feel that we throw the word gods around so much. I study, I study Egypt, so we have like a, a lot of gods that we speak about. But I think a lot of people that are, let's say, in polytheistic religions, maybe don't even experience it as as multiple gods. More like lower emanations, you know, like how with Marduk, Mesopotamia, Peterson often speaks about. Like you have a hierarchy to things, and they they're more like angels yeah. almost. I don't know if that's something that those people themselves also recognize or if that polytheism is is mistaking the the angels for the gods or like the powers for the in absolute. My, in to the best of my knowledge about the Yoruba tradition, which is like what where I'm from, mm -hmm. the it's it's more the latter, it's more the acknowledgement of lesser gods. Yeah. And then that the um Oduduwa, for example, is like the god of gods mm. um, in the, the Yoruba mythology. And under that Oduduwa, then there are the Shangos and the thing. But you, the people only ever interact with the smaller gods. Oduduwa is also beyond them. So there's an acknowledgement of like, these gods are created by the, the one true god. Yeah. 
the, the identity of this one true God wasn't made clear. And I think it's, made, it's only made clear through the person and the story of Jesus Christ. Mm. But in a lot of cultures, I've understood there to be like, yeah, like you said, angels or gods or heroes or like whatever term we want to use for them that yeah. are spirits, higher spirits than just nature as, mm -hmm. as we understand them. That's a really good answer. I really like that. Also, it's nice to have insight where you have actually a real connection to, let's say, uh, a tradition that, that actually deals with that. Because I think I definitely don't really have that in my environment. I'd love to just speak to the Egyptians, you know, like, what's up? What's going on? What's what's this? Tell me. Because, you know, sometimes yeah, I would... It's... Yeah, go ahead. No, go on. Um. I would have like someone do a presentation in my class about like an Egyptian God or something or gods in general. And I, and the teachers were all there and I'm like, but what does it mean? Like, what is a God? Like what, what do they do? And what, you know, what is the function? I'm really trying to understand. And they have no idea. They're like, don't know. And it's almost like they don't care. Like, oh, we speak about them so much. Like we know all their names and stuff. We have to memorize all these things. We know how to recognize it. And like, what, what does it mean? What, what, what role does that play? And that, I don't know. I feel that's lacking. So I don't think we'll ever really truly understand some of those ancient traditions. So it helps that there's people in actual traditions that have something similar going on to understand that at least. I don't think we'll like even the little we do understand I think we'll probably we'll come to find out that we're at least hugely mistaken or at worst completely wrong about our assumptions about previous mm. traditions religions and civilizations yeah um because it's impossible for us not to read back into the past um so yeah I agree with that that's interesting like uh reading back into the past because you never can really be objective i feel it's something we really try to do you know in university like you know let's take another europe-centric view you know it's all, all <laughs> what we speak about so they want to like banish also like bc I, I i put bc in my paper and they they like smacked it you know <laughs> just using really yeah 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 that's where it's going oh gosh yeah, I was like, I was hoping for good feedback on my paper. And then I got just like 500 words about why I shouldn't use BC. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. Oh, gosh, that's, that, that's, that's what we've come to. Yeah. Yeah, not oh. the greatest places to be at the universities. Yeah. But, um, but we're still there. It's funny, like Peter, like in 2015, 16, Peterson was looking crazy talking about the institutions the, uni the universities are going under they're being taken over um i was i was at university and but not really paying attention to a lot of this mainly because i was in stem and we didn't really yeah we went having conversations like that we just needed to make sure the equations were right um so i was just like watching sort of amused and then as time goes on it's like wow why were you right <laughs> <laughs> i think everyone feels that way but that's that's like it's that's his role you know to recognize something before it goes absolutely bad 
And then he's so passionate about it that people often don't understand his anger. Um, and I don't necessarily think that that yeah. anger is the right stance, but I understand why he thinks this way because he sees the slippery slope so well. That's what he's fulfilling. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, speaking of more like Petersonian topics, I wanted to have this last bigger question for you. And that is, what is the proper stance in times of adversity? You've had a, what many people would describe it, like a rough upbringing, um, at least externally. So I've seen you speak about it more lightly. What is the, what is the right stance throughout adversity and I don't know if suffering is the right word. Um, the true, the honest answer is I don't know the one that comes the best I can give right now. And, the, and I'm sure it would change if you ask me another time, but right now mm -hmm. the best I can think of is gratitude. Um, I the the biblical the, the Bible is full of stories of so many different ways in which people go for go for adversities and the the stance that I like to take is that God is good through its all sort of stance and if that's if if God is good then okay I've got evidence what 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 can I point to as evidence of God being good right now despite the adversity and if you ask yourself that question you will always find things to point to mm. if even if it's only just the fact that you're still breathing um but I think yeah that's my answer in this moment will be gratitude is the stance to take in adversity that's really beautiful. I, I, I would hope that I would have that, you know, in those moments. Me too. But I think it's like scratching scratching an itch when you turn into uh, an angry person. Or a, I, I always had this question, like when I was in deep pain the other, I think last year, I was in a lot of pain. I had a, an infected leg and my leg blew up twice the size of what it is now. I couldn't see my kneecap and everything. And it oh, made wow. no sense. Yeah, it made no sense why I had this. But I first started being like, why? Like, why? You know? <laughs> like, mm. And that's similar, a, yeah. Similar. That's a go-to go response, the why. Yeah, the why. <laughs> I think everyone does that at some point, usually. The, 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 the Psalms are full of whys. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And so I think at some point, similar to the complaint against the gods that I spoke about, you just start to hear you, the ridiculousness of your own words. Like, why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what are, what are you complaining about? Oh my gosh, have you had a conversation with Jesse yet? Who's Jesse? Uh, Job, he talks about Job a lot. That's how he's uh, Ah, Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, oh my, I would love to watch a conversation between you two. Because he, he, he's answered to the question you just asked me. I would love to. I would love to. I'm sure it would involve job somehow. But <laughs> the way he talks about it is beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Please send me um, send me where I can find yeah. some of his stuff. I'm very interested. I will. Yeah. But I, 
Like, I think it's an ideal for sure. Gratitude in those moments. I hope I can live up to that because I think we're all going to face some or a lot of adversity at some point. Um, are you optimistic? It sure about feels it? that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> are you are you optimistic, um, Dio, about the world? My my optimism should would be a, should be a cause for concern for everyone else <laughs> because similarly to our similarly to how I said, Canada uh, must be under a lot of pressure to be producing a lot of diamonds. I am saying the entire the world producing a lot of diamonds, and I'm that calls for optimism, but also makes me feel like oh, <laughs> the, the, someone someone's cranking up the heat on, and yeah, we're cooking. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're gonna like what we're cooking, but we're cooking. We're cooking for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I really i I've loved each and every one of your answers, and I'm gonna listen again for sure and i uh i'm really excited to speak again to see uh <laughs> how many other answers to questions you will have next time but it's been really nice i don't want to keep you in the cold any longer best of it's, luck actually you know i i am so but i actually truly i always i always love our conversations you ask great questions i'm excited for your channel um I love the fact that you've been consistent and putting in the work. It, it makes me happy whenever I get a notification that you've uploaded it. Like, yes, it's still at it. So <laughs> thank you for giving me a chance to be a part of something great. And I think, I, yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Have the best of luck with uh, with Paul. Please enjoy the coming days. And um, you, I'm excited to, to check back in soon. Thank you and God bless. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Bye-bye.